Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. For 10 years, I hunted with a modified choke and whatever kind of bullets I could find. And I'm still that guy because I use my shotgun in a different way. I'll kill a coyote out to 300 yards on 8-power all day long. I don't know. That's just what I'm used to. That's what I do. I feel like if you're using turrets on coyotes and you're having to dial, you haven't done your job. No, that was just that was just my underwear, man. Just, uh, just out there hanging out with my buddies, drinking a few beers and shooting a couple local coyotes. He held the tournament record for the most coyotes ever turned in. And this year was the first year that it's ever been broken, and it was broken by my partner and I. If we had the nuclear bomb and there was nothing left but dust, it'd be a cockroach and a coyote that was left, and maybe a crow. Don't don't give up. If you really love it and you got a passion for it, you, you'll figure it out. What's up, everybody? This is Garrett Johnson, a.k.a. The Brush Wolf Hunter, and you're listening to Living Country in the City. Y'all ready for your dose of flyover state spirit? Straight from the concrete jungle? Well, put down your latte and pull on your boots. It's time for Living Country in the City. Hey, y'all. Welcome to episode 86 of Living Country in the City. Want to say a huge thank you to all y'all that have been tuning in each week and those of you that have really taken the next step and logged on to my support page and either picked up merchandise or gone as far as logging on to my Patreon page and contributing monthly to help support Living Country in the City. If y'all want to join the team and find out how you can help, make sure y'all head on over to the support page. That's livingcountryinthecity.com slash support. Lots of different ways you can really help out here. It takes a lot of funds and a lot of time to really keep this podcast going. So I appreciate y'all that have been helping out. I cannot say thank you enough. All right, y'all. Now on to today's episode. I have recently been out doing a whole lot of predator call and coyote hunting. And, you know, I know that now that seasons are ending for a lot of y'all, this is your only opportunity to get out and hunt. Additionally, for a lot of y'all that are looking to kind of get that initial taste and get started into hunting, this is a really awesome, inexpensive, and low-impact way for y'all to get started. 
I've called in a few animals, but suffice to say, my uh, predator hunting has not been nearly as successful as I would really like it to be. So I reached out and hit up the man with the glorious mane himself, the coyote killer, the song dog slayer, the one and only brush wolf hunter, Garrett Johnson. Y'all, if you don't follow this guy on Instagram, you need to go check him out. He's a crazy successful coyote hunter, super knowledgeable about these animals, and really funny dude. I had a great time chatting with him, so I hope you all enjoy today's episode. All right, y'all. Welcome to episode 86 of Living Country in the City. Garrett, thanks so much for hopping on today. Heck yeah, man. Pumped to do it. Awesome. Um, So one thing I always like to start out with is maybe give a little bit of an introduction just about yourself and kind of how you got your start in hunting and the outdoors. Man, I I grew up doing this stuff. My dad taught me as a young boy. It's just... uh, lifelong tradition of hunting mule deer and whatnot my family um just uh basically like uh anybody gets to days that's how it was for us during the deer season and and things like that but as far as the predator end of things um i got into that more the high school age yeah man i just uh love doing it i've been doing it almost 20 years I guess a little over 20 years right now, but started hand calling and getting the basics down and, and, uh, watching some, some guys that I looked up to and learning everything I possibly could. So in the little bit that I've done in the posts I've made about coyote, uh, coyote hunting. And, uh, you know, I took a Fox earlier this year for the first time I had a lot of people and a lot of discussions come up around, Oh, you know, I don't know why you predator hunt. It's, you know, you don't eat the meat, you know, you're just doing it because you love killing or you're just, you know, you're just doing it because you want to be able to get a, get more tags next year. Why? I mean, you know, there's definitely excitement involved. There's a sporting aspect to it. But why, why is predator hunting important? And why do you really feel uh, that you do it? Man, I'm, uh, I run a, I run a brand solely around you know the the brand name is mule deer insurance and it's only you know yeah there's a lot of methods behind mule deer insurance there's a lot of things that eat mule deer fawns and and take down full-size deer but i i kind of base that around the coyote just because you're killing some coyotes you're gonna you're ensuring that there's gonna be some more mule deer and I've always loved to hunt mule deer. And I know that a lot of these areas that I hunt, you know, it's key to take out some of these, these bigger, older, wiser coyotes and, uh, you know, try to help out a couple mule deer. I'm not saying it really does. I'm kind of on the fence about the whole bounty aspect we have here in Utah and, and things like that, because the coyote is a survivalist and, they're they're crazy crazy smart and crazy adaptable so i've talked to government trappers my whole life and and i've been around and and i've den den coyotes a lot of people don't know what that means but um these coyotes are so smart that they i feel like they they know and i feel like it's been proven that if their if their food source is there 
and there's not a high concentrated number of coyotes. They actually adapt to that and can have more coyote pups than normal. And if there are more coyotes and less food, they'll have one or two pups in a litter. They're that smart. And, uh, you know, I, I just feel like predator hunting, it's fun. Like you said, it's a sporting aspect stuff. I do it because, you know, I feel like I'm helping out a little bit and I just love it. I just love how smart these creatures are. I just, I have the utmost respect for coyotes. They, they, to me, are the prettiest canine species out there in certain times of the year. You know, like right now, they're just furred up. They're gorgeous. They're just, they're cunning. And, and, and I just, I just honestly love coyotes. It's weird that I shoot so many of them, but <laughs> I, I, I respect the hell out of these animals. Like really, really, really do. And, I'll, you know, a lot of the guys that I know are the exact same way. They, they truly love these animals, you know, and we do it for fur and, uh, you know, to make a little extra money on the side, really. I mean, that's why I do it. Well, you know, and I think people tend to forget that, you know, all of this is, is still managed. Yeah. It's not necessarily like an elk where you have to put in a put in for a draw to get your tags and you know spend all this money but i mean you're still you know you're still buying a hunting license you're still um you know i mean it's it's still something that's managed by biologists who dedicate their lives to the health of these ecosystems and and different species coyotes included and um yeah i mean we don't have to put in for tags because they are they do have that crazy um that's one of those things that I've heard from many sources too, that, you know, when, when those populations get low and the food source is plentiful, yeah, they have their, their litter sizes just start increasing. And it's such a crazy thing about those animals that they are absolutely fascinating and they're gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I just don't feel like we're ever, what people don't understand, we're not ever going to put a dent in the coyote population. I am sorry. And I feel like sometimes with the bounty and the pressure that we put on these coyotes, we're, we're creating a, a, a mutant, honestly. We're creating an ultra species. They're getting so smart and they're getting so adaptable that I honestly see more coyote numbers than now than I, than I used to. I mean, I don't feel like we're putting a, a dent in this canine species, honestly. I, we're never going to regardless i mean if we if we had the nuclear bomb and and where there was nothing left but dust it'd be a cockroach and a coyote that was left and maybe a crow <laughs> and th- that that's the way i feel i mean th- there's some way that a coyote's going to survive that's just who they are and i honestly that's why i respect them i feel like where we benefit with trimming trimming some of these coyotes out is the smart ones. So the government trappers are typically sent after the smart coyotes, like the ones that are getting in the sheep herd. And they're usually like a pair of coyotes that have learned. They understand, they know how to get around the sheep herd. They know how, how to get around the, the Pyrenees dogs that they've got there. They're the kind of coyotes that you, they're a problem coyote. It's no different than probably you guys deal with down there in, in Southern California or wherever they, 
adapt. They understand what they need to do to kill and, and they figure things out and, and sometimes they become unkillable. And, uh, here's just a quick story of my buddy calling me, Hey Garrett, I got a, a serious problem. I've got these two coyotes. My, my, uh, my mother heifers will lay down and they'll go to give, give birth to calves and, and the coyotes will wait till she lays down to give birth and, and they'll run over there and they'll pull the calf and they'll kill the calf while she's laying down. They'll basically pull it out of her. And I ended up, I ended up killing one out of the two of those coyotes and his problem stopped. It It's like once one learns it, it's like they teach the other one. I, it, it's, it's crazy. But once I had taken one of that equation out of there, it it actually stopped and he, he stopped having that problem. I'm not saying I killed both those coyotes, but I feel like I killed one of the problem coyotes and it helped him. That's where I feel like that's, that's the kind of coyotes I really like to kill. You know, that, that style of coyotes, we're never, we're never going to put a dent in these coyotes. Well, I mean, that's, you know, that's like the trophy coyote right there. That's like killing the, the big slob mule deer or, you know, the, sure. the giant elk, you know, it's, Yep. The reason they get that big and, and had is because they know the secrets, you know, they're not dumb. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's not about wiping out coyotes. That's not what you're trying to do. You know, some people may look at, look at a lot of these pictures or videos or something and, you know, it's, it's almost kind of shocking. Like you see, you know, a truck bed that's literally stacked high with coyotes from, you know, a group of guys going out and without context, people may not understand that, but it's important, I think, for them to realize it's not about trying to wipe out coyotes. It's trying to, it's about trying to achieve a better balance and for all species, coyotes included, you know, right. they get overpopulated. Things are not going to go well for them. They're going to run out of food sources. They're going to get sick. And I think that's where, that's what people miss about predator hunting about coyote hunting in general is that they're a species that needs to be managed just like any other for the benefit of the whole ecosystem right but, and you uh speaking of loving coyotes you had a, a couple of pups for a while didn't you do you still have those yeah that i'm actually looking at a picture of my little girl right here she uh i i did i had i had a couple super lucky coyotes because you know we den coyotes here in the state of utah for the 50 dollar bounty and that's what the government wants us to do and that's what we do but um i thought to myself hell i'm gonna raise these two pups up and see what i can do i've talked to a bunch of people about it and they've never had any success i want to see what i can do and you know i i did it and it was it was it was good and it was bad i mean i wish sometimes i wouldn't have done it because coyotes don't deserve that they don't you know they didn't know any fear and they died because of that i didn't mm. kill those pups but they died because they didn't have any fear and that was not fair to them and uh you know that's something i'll never do again but it was a great learning experience and it it taught me a lot about coyotes it really did i mean things i didn't understand i I didn't understand that a coyote can be completely gorged full of food and still want to come over to a call and, and then at least investigate what was going on, not necessarily coming to eat it, but <laughs> their curiosity is crazy. I mean, it's, it's insane. And, 
the things they do to adapt. I mean, my, my coyote pups would, would eat until their little bellies were, I mean, you pop them with a pin, they'd exploded and they'd go regurgitate it. I'd, I'd follow them and kind of watch them from afar and they'd go dig a hole and they'd regurgitate it and, 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 and bury it. And that's how they survive. I mean, they're not going to have a meal the next day in the wild and they know that. And so they'll eat and eat and eat and they'll go hide it from their, their family members or whoever. And, and they'll go pile it off somewhere else. And then they'll, they're unsuccessful catching rabbit the next day. They'll go back to their pile and they'll eat it or they save it until winter. And, and they know where it's at. They're highly intelligent and they go back and they dig it up and they eat it. I mean, these coyotes are, they're insanely smart. It's, it's crazy to me. And that was, it was really fun, you know, to, to get to know those, those two and have them grow up into adulthood and whatnot. But it was illegal in the state of Utah for me to keep them in cages. So I live out in the middle of nowhere and, and they just lived around the yard and, and did and came when as they pleased. And that was ultimately their fate. But you know, that, um, that has a lot to do with the Utah bounty and people the way they are in Utah about coyotes and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. neither here nor there, but yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a neat experience. Yeah, that's good. I remember, uh, I think one of the first, one of the first videos I saw of you, I think that, I think it may have been how I found your profile was somebody had shared, uh, the clip of you holding the two of them and, Oh, how can anybody think these two are, are vicious? Look, they won't even bite. I I swear, yeah. I watched that about four times in a row, and I was crying, laughing so hard at that video. I'll, I'll have to share a link to it if if people listening haven't seen it. But uh, yeah, yeah, it went viral. I mean, they uh, they were brother and sister, and of course, I was kind of pitting them against each other. They didn't want to be held, and they didn't want to be put each other's faces in one another, you know, they're, they're coyotes and <laughs> it was just fun to get, a, get to know them like that. But yeah, those, I had a couple of videos like that that went viral and having them come in the house and jump around and do what they do. And they're just mischievous. They were just super mischievous. They tear anything up and they, they chewed every one of my trees in half in the yard. And they <laughs> dug giant holes in the yard. And I mean, they were the most mischievous, canine i've ever had around the house oh <laughs> uh, that's crazy man that's definitely a a super unique experience i can imagine i'm not sure that most uh, people would be willing to attempt either <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i definitely do not recommend that that's like i said it's not fair to the coyotes and it's just not i mean they're meant they're born and bred to be wild that's where they need to be and I screwed up and did that, but it's a learning experience and hopefully I can, you know, pass that information on to certain people that are maybe thinking about it. You know, it's just not, not something that needs to happen. And it was fun, but yeah. Anyway. (laughs) With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. 
Learn more at marines.com. So, Brush Wolf Hunter. Um, I, uh, it wasn't, wasn't actually until I found your profile that I'd heard that term for, uh, for coyotes. I'd, I'd heard song dogs, I've heard yotes, coyotes, coyotes, all of that stuff. Yeah. So is it brush wolf your uh, your preferred term? <laughs> no, that was just kind of a between me and my we we read it in in the in the school books. Actually, it's just an Indian term for for the coyote. It was uh, I don't know. I just kind of thought it was a cool name, but uh, yeah, we just that's kind of how it came. It's just uh, an Indian term back in the back in the day, and that's you know, I just kind of thought it was cool. Awesome. Well, you know, I, uh, I've just recently kind of started getting interested in this whole, uh, predator calling, predator hunting, uh, especially coyotes. Um, you know, I've, I've been interested in a lot of stuff, big game and elk and deer. And, uh, you know, those all have very specific seasons. Uh, they can tend to be very high priced endeavors. <laughs> um, one of the cool things about, like I said, predator calling, especially coyotes, is is one, most places you can do it any time of year, and two, I mean, it does not take a lot to kind of get started uh, in in as far as the basics of of predator hunting. Right, absolutely. Uh, all you need is a couple bucks in your pocket to go buy a hand call. Really, I mean, if you've already got the gun and bullets, now you're just now you're just searching out the knowledge and really all you need to call a coyote is an open read call. And you can basically do anything you want to do to a coyote with that. Um, I, I know of a lot of people that, that have used all sorts of calls, not necessarily specifically, uh, you know, a, a designed predator call, but I know of people that have fooled around with Turkey calls and, uh, elk calls and all kinds of different stuff. Um, what, uh, what are your, what are your go-to calls as far as, uh, maybe something for someone that's just starting out? Uh, what would you, what would you maybe recommend as far as calls? I like, a a softer open read call. If you can learn how to run an open read call, very versatile. I mean, you can do, you can do squeaks. You, pup distress you can do kayaks you can do howls you can do i mean my go-to call sits around my neck and i've had it for almost 20 and it's carlton's fighting cow call and a lot of people are i'm like well it's basically the same thing really i mean it's just how you read and how your reads cut thickness of your read i mean not to get into that technical of stuff but it's just knowing how to blow the call really is what it comes down to is spending time with it, either annoying your, your family member solo running down the, the highway or whatever you do, but just the practice is, is key really. As far as that goes, there's not a lot of diversity between a whole bunch of different call companies that I've found. And that's probably not really me to say, because I have a lot of friends that are call builders, but, I mean, if you know what you're doing and you know what sounds you want to make, you can basically make anything. Pretty much buying a buying a better call really won't do you too much unless you actually until you first really learn how to use them and how to call. 
Yeah, I mean, no, I wouldn't go spending a bunch of money. The the key with coyotes and the key with anything is being in the location, really. I mean, you're not going to call coyotes in if there's not coyotes there. And, and if they're super educated, it's not going to – I mean, yeah, there's guys that will probably call that, But, I mean, you're not going to have a bunch more success, a little bit more success with an electronic call running some vocalization sounds that you can't mimic on an open read or a hand call or just anything like that. But, um, just, you got the area of the coyotes. I mean, that's just plain and simple. If they're not there, if they're educated, you're just going to have a lot rougher time. So you did mention, uh, electronic calls. Um, what are, you know, obviously, uh, you have the ability to kind of make sounds that you wouldn't necessarily, be able to duplicate with a with a hand call or an open read call um what are maybe some of the other benefits for some uh for someone using an electronic call or maybe even also some of the weaknesses over a hand call um i don't think there's anything uh electronic call will weaken you because you're not going to be moving your hand you're not going to be you're not going to be moving plus you're going to be downwind of the call which is key i mean that's typically where your coyotes are going to circle to is the downwind that's just i mean yeah we got the bombers that come flying across don't care kamikaze coyotes is what we call them but you know the benefits i don't really know i mean just i kind of drawn a blank but (laughs) i mean you kind of you kind of said them right there you're not you're not forced into 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 kind of moving around. Um, you're not, uh, and you're able to separate yourself. I think from the call a little bit compared to um, compared to using a hand call. So you have the ability to move yourself downwind from that call. Yeah. Yep. For sure. That's probably that's probably the biggest advantage for sure. I definitely. Uh, I I definitely in my very little bit that I've done, I've kind of started relying on the electronic call just basically out of sheer inexperience um i had i had some buddies down in arizona that took me out to call foxes and uh we also called in a a couple of coyotes um to a couple hundred yards before they they spotted us but uh we uh I, I'm just kind of, you know, scrambling around from that little bit of experience I got, I got with them trying to figure stuff out. And that's honestly one of the big, uh, big reasons I wanted to talk to you. Um, like I always, I always comment, you know, the podcast is mostly just an excuse to be able to sit down and ask uh, knowledgeable guys like yourself, (laughs) a bunch of questions about stuff I want to (laughs) do. Um, but yeah, I, uh, you know, I've kind of been relying on the electronic call just, at, you know, because of its ease, I, I was fortunate, you know, I'd bought one years ago for, uh, I think six or seven years ago, for some reason, I never even, never even turned it on until a couple weeks back. But, uh, do you, are there any resources you could recommend about, uh, using, using those hand calls where if somebody wanted to get started, where could they start looking? Um, shoot, man, I don't know. I bet you could just, uh, Google it on Facebook or, um, uh, I don't know. What do you call that? YouTube. You could YouTube it, I guess. I don't really know. I, uh, I just learn by mimicking the sounds that I've heard before and just trying it and, and going that route. But that was a long time ago, way before YouTube and, 
and any of this stuff. You guys, you guys have it way too easy these days. That's for sure. <laughs> I mean, the the resources and the knowledge you can get in a day is more than I could have gotten a year. So, I mean, there's guys coming up and coming young kids and stuff that are doing it nowadays that are on my level that I wasn't even on for five, six years. And my calling coyotes, you know, and they just get the, the information and things like this, you know, that we're doing right here is just crazy. I mean, how it spreads and the word spreads and people figure it out. There it is. I mean, it's getting super popular. So what other, what other gear would you say is essential for someone starting out? Obviously, you know, they're going to need a weapon, whether that's a, a, a rifle or a shotgun. And actually that might be a good place to start. Um, you, uh, you, from what I've seen just from your Instagram, you seem to prefer, uh, hunting coyotes with a rifle, correct? No, no, not prefer, not, not prefer. I, uh, my shotgun's right to my side majority of the time. So the, the shotgun I use for panic situations and, and, uh, basically the kamikaze coyotes and, and things like that and multiples and just different situations for the shotgun. I'm not like a shotgun guy that goes out to hunt coyotes with the shotgun, but I mean, it's always usually right there off my hip. So I usually sit with shotgun in hand. And then if I need the rifle, I switch to the rifle. Okay. So, you know, you kind of keep the shotgun on hand if stuff is, is coming in fast and close and then you have the rifle for maybe stuff that hangs up a bit further out. Yep, exactly. Yeah, just reading the body language of the coyote, you know, you know if it's going to be a rifle, easy rifle kill, or if it's going to be fun to kill with a shotgun, you know? Mm-hmm. So what uh, what kind of body, obviously, you mentioned the, the kamikaze coyotes that are just, you know, throwing caution to the wind and come hauling ass in. Um, what uh, what kind of signs do you look for uh, when you when you first spot them as far as body language? Um, I mean, it's hard to explain, but the low, the low bobbing head, kind of like a low trot circling downwind. Of course, he's, you know, going to be a harder coyote to call in. Uh, the one that's just got his head to the ground, just coming as hard, as fast as he can come is the kamikaze coyote. And then, I mean, you got a billion different styles of dogs that we have our own language as a coyote hunter for, you know what I mean? And it's just it's just going out and learning it and get getting used to knowing what they look like in those situations and adapting to that when you're needing to, you know. But like this last weekend in my tournament, I mean, hell, I made I made two super rookie mistakes on coyotes that I mean, I almost feel like I got cocky and arrogant from going from a hundred percent weekend to a not the next tournament and then and then having some situations and thinking I could get away with stuff when I couldn't. And they outsmarted me and they did what Kyle's doing. They got away and I lost the tournament because of it. And it's, you know, it's all a learning curve, but I feel like I've got it figured out for the most part, but then they have days like that and they just hand me my, <laughs> so I definitely, uh, I want to at at one point ask you about those rookie mistakes, but uh, really quick, just kind of finishing up what we we're talking about with gear. Um, you uh, 
you mentioned, you know, use both a shotgun and rifle. Um, and one thing I haven't been, and you know, I know a lot of it can be preference, personal preference, but one thing I haven't been able to get a ton of good answers on is, uh, I'm using a shotgun. What, uh, you know, what would you recommend as far as, you know, uh, shell length and pellet size? Uh, what, what do you think is, is pretty sufficient or a good quality, uh, uh, setup for, efficient. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, like I, like I told you, I'm not a, a shotgun guy that goes, I, ha- I have, uh, acquaintances that, that go out and they, you know, they go out to hunt coyotes with, a shotgun solely and they, they develop loads and they understand chokes and they do this and they do that. I mean, for 10 years I hunted with a modified choke and whatever kind of bullets I could find. Of course I wasn't shooting bird shot, but I was shooting anything for buck, buck, double lot, just whatever I could get my hands on. And I'm still that guy because I use my shotgun in a different way. Mm-hmm. I use my shotgun for basically rescue situations, like trying to, get as many coyotes on the ground as I can or, or close range jumping over thick brush or, you know, stuff like that setting up for shotgun coyotes. I'm down in the thick brush and typically my shots are only 30 yards max. And that's two and three quarter buckshot will take care of that all day long. Usually. I mean, yeah, you're going to have coyotes get away and whatnot, but I shoot two and three quarter or I shoot three inch, whatever I can get my hands on. But um, double lot buck, buck, four buck, just anything like that, really, just to get the, just get some BBs in those coyotes, you know, and <laughs> I, I don't usually shoot much over, like I say, 30, 30 yards with a shotgun. And that's, that's really, really close. I mean, you could about kill a dog with dove shot at that range. <laughs> um, so what, uh, what does your rifle setup look like for coyotes? Oh, it's basic, man. I just shoot a, a bold action Howa 22250. I don't know, probably a $350 gun, but I spend a lot of money on the optics that sit up on top. And I got a great sponsor with Vortex right now, and I'm running their their Razor Lightweight Hunter, and it's uh, 3 by 15. And once again, I'm kind of I'm different. I mean, even different from my partner that I take everywhere with me. He runs his scope on anywhere from 10 to 11 or 10 to 12 power all the time. And I'm sitting over there on three power. (laughs) And typically I don't kill coyotes on much over six to eight power. And I'll kill a coyote out to 300 yards on eight power all day long. And that just blows his mind. Like, he's like, how do you even see those coyotes with that? And I'm like, I don't know. That's just what I'm used to. That's what I do. So I just really like that scope. I like a low power and it's that, that scope's perfect. It's got a lot of eye relief, the reticle simple. There's not a lot going on. There's no turrets. There's no nothing. I feel like if you're using turrets on coyotes and you're having to dial, you haven't done your job <laughs> as a coyote hunter, a coyote caller. I mean, I just don't, I don't see the necessary, you know, it necessary to dial and shoot coyotes. I know where my rifle shoots at 300 yards and anything much over that's a guess, honestly, for me. But uh, a lot of guys like to dial and do their things, and that's just not me. That's not that's not my style. Well, you know, and I I imagine having that lower power also gives you a lot more of an advantage when they're on the move. You don't uh, 
you're not as likely to lose them if they're hauling ass out of there. Right. I kill a lot of running coyotes on low power, and I, I feel like that's a lot of the reason. But there's guys that kill coyotes on on the run on the very high power. It's just they're used to what they're used to, and I'm used to what I'm used to, and I just feel like I can get my lead on a coyote a lot better on the on the power that I keep my scope at. But that, you know, it's just cubs boils down to personal preference really well and i think yeah it's important to shoot what you're comfortable shooting how you're comfortable shooting you're gonna always have a better time than if you try and mimic somebody else's setup exactly you know obviously you want to keep in mind uh you know some of the reasons behind what they're doing um but if you feel completely uncomfortable shooting shooting you're not going to kill stuff <laughs> i mean is what it comes down to free throws if you're not making the free throws you're uh you know you're going to get down on yourself and you're going to miss more more shots but it's it's the same in coyote and i've watched guys completely fall apart i mean you start missing coyotes you get down on yourself and it just like is a waterfall effect but if you stay positive and can shake it off and throw the next pitch right down the pipe you know that's 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 key too especially in tournament hunting and that's that's a lot of like what i like to do oh yeah so is there any other essential gear uh that you would recommend for for someone starting out or or something that may that they may want to throw in their in their pack uh as they're as they're going out for their first few uh coyote hunts man not really i mean i've i've got a <laughs> a lot of great sponsors and i should probably be just pushing stuff down everybody's throat but that's not who i am so that's not what i'm gonna do but camouflage is a good thing if you don't know how to set still but honestly i mean a guy could go sit and blaze orange if he sets himself upright he's gonna be able to do the same thing that the guy did in camouflage in my opinion i used to hunt levi's in a sweatshirt and cowboy boots that's just who i was you know and I killed just as many coyotes then as I did now. And it's just, you just got to know how to get in the shadows. You got to, there's plenty of camouflage out there. <laughs> <laughs> really. I mean, but if a guy feels better and he's more confident wearing camo and there are situations where camouflage is, it comes in very handy when you can't get in shadows and you can't get in shade, you know, and it does help break up your outline and it does help break up your movement i feel like a little bit but coyotes are smart you gotta outsmart their nose you gotta outsmart their ears i mean they've got so many more heightened senses than what a piece of camouflage is going to help you yeah i'll i'll admit i am naturally like a fidgety person it is so tough for me to I've, i've been getting a lot better at it just by sitting out there on stands and stuff but um i definitely do not think i'm the guy that could sit out in the blaze orange and not be noticed (laughs) (laughs) well i mean it is what it is but you i'm just trying to make points i'm not really saying go do that or try it but i mean really uh, that's what i grew up doing i mean we had a maybe a camouflage hoodie or something or you know a coat or something like that but man i still to this day hunting solid pants solid solid colors and stuff like that my legs are typically on the ground anyway i mean i don't i'm not the guy that goes and sits up on a 
side hill usually and and stuff like that so i mean i never really cared what my legs look like yeah i mean i think it's it's one of those things also where if you wear something you're comfortable in whether it's camo or not you're more likely to sit still regardless so if you got you got some camo that may not be the most comfortable to wear or the warmest or whatever that is you know if you swap that out for something you're going to be comfortable in you're a lot more likely to sit still and yeah. Well, man, the the proof is in the the proof is in the pudding. I've seen some, uh, you know, I've been following you for a while now, and I've I've seen some rather interesting outfits that you've killed coyotes in. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, man, ninety degree <laughs> weather. I'm I'm sure that's the that that's a first for me, skinning down to nothing but my underwear. But I mean, you just do what you do. <laughs> I was gonna say. It is is my memory uh, forsaking me, or do I, I vaguely remember something about like a, a an American flag speedo at some point? <laughs> uh no, that was just that was just my underwear, man. Just uh, <laughs> just out there hanging out with my buddies, drinking a few beers, and shooting a couple local coyotes, just having fun for the day. That was uh, just honestly it was 90 i was close to 100 degrees that day and it was in the middle of the day and we were killing coyotes so i didn't feel like there was a need to stop but i was dying of heat and it just it just happened we we got out of the truck he's like dude i'm going to my underwear i'm like so am i <laughs> let's do it so off came the pants and we hunted in our we hunted in our skivvies the rest of the day Hey man, you're rocking you're rocking your natural camouflage there. <laughs> Dude, yeah, I shotgun three coyotes in my underwear in that afternoon in almost hundred degree weather. So you guys can say whatever you want to say. I don't give a shit, but it was it was a lot better than sitting out there in my pants. <laughs> so I've killed coyotes in a rabbit outfit too. <laughs> oh man, you gotta now you gotta tell me about that right now. <laughs> That's uh actually on our I used to do a, me and my partner used to do a coyote sniper YouTube channel and man, we were going really good, but we got to the point where we were just like, we're killers. We're not cameramen. Like why would we go and kill half the coyotes that we're normally killing just to run a camera? And so we kind of petered out on the whole coyote sniper YouTube channel, but we've, we had a lot of great <laughs> content for the year, year and a half that we messed around with it but we thought it would just be funny to dress up in costumes and so my buddy dressed up in a i don't know a gorilla outfit and i was in a full-blown uh rabbit suit with this ginormous head and i killed a coyote on the very first stand we tried it <laughs> well man that coyote's probably thinking so, holy shit, i've hit the jackpot <laughs> yeah other than he wasn't looking at me i mean yeah, the, yeah. the footage is insane he's coming right at the call and I just got lucky and made a hell of a running shot on him, but it was uh, it was definitely one that uh, was pretty fun and won't forget for sure. Uh, that's too good. I'll have to drop a I'll have to hunt that down. Drop a link to it on the show notes page for this episode. Uh, which yeah, I'll... man, it's it's fun. We uh, that's that's key though, right there is having fun with your buddies. Honestly, that's what it boils down to. That's what we are basically all about, unless it's tournament mode, you know and even in tournament mode, we still are able to soak in the, the fun times that we're having. But, I mean, it's it's a serious thing when we get in, in tournament mode and, and are hunting for a lot of money on the line and, 
and a lot of prestigious, you know, belt buckles and whatever it might be. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. So we, we, we know when to put down the rabbit head and, and put on the, put on the game face for sure. <laughs> well, and you, uh, you've had some recent success in the tournaments. Uh, I saw your, saw your post the other day. Yeah, for sure. National champion, man. So, so tell me, tell me a little bit about the tournament. Um, what's, uh, what's in, involved? What's the, you know, what's the stakes? What, uh, uh nationals nationals is, is absolutely probably one of the most prestigious contests that has been held over the last, Oh shoot. I don't even want to dare guess how long it's been running, but I mean, there's a traveling trophy that everybody's trying to win that you get to keep your hands on for a year and, and your name gets to go on it alongside of some of the best that's ever graced the sport. And, you know, my, my idol growing up was Les Johnson. I, I, I took a lot away from the way he called and his calling style, his hand calling, the way he laid back and brush what he did, you know, that's kind of who I looked up to. And, and he's a guy that has won this, this tournament. I think he's honestly won it twice, but he held the tournament record for the most coyotes ever turned in. And this year was the first year that it's ever been broken. And it was broken by my partner and I, Colton Gillum. And we put 25 coyotes in the bed of the truck in one day. And 24 coyotes was the tournament record for the, the day and a half hunt. And we killed, ended up killing 31 coyotes and, and are now the new tournament record holders. And it's just mind blowing that, you know, we did what we did and shot a hundred percent and had zero mistakes and all the stars aligned really. I mean, there's nothing, nothing went wrong that, you know, usually does. And it's just neat. You know, now we have a, a name alongside of guys that we have looked up to our entire lives, you know? So it's just, it's just really cool. It's, you know, a lot of people don't know how cool it is to guys like us, but guys like us, it, it really means a lot. It's a lot of fun to be able to say that you're a national champion. Well, you know, and it's, I think it's like that with anything that someone's passionate about, you know, whether it's, you know, I work, I work in the music industry and, you know, I've got a lot of, a lot of friends that like, that's what they live for is live music. I've got a ton of friends that are performers and in bands and it's, I mean, it's like the equivalent of, you know, getting, getting booked, uh, at a festival and, you know, singing alongside someone, you know, you grew up listening to like, um, you know, I know got a lot of country music fans that listen to, uh, listen to my podcast and, you know, it's like, Lee Bryce singing up next to Garth Brooks or something, you know, it's sure. getting a chance to be alongside your heroes. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's, uh, those guys are definitely my, you know, they're celebrities to me when I was growing up. If I would have ever met one, I would have melded in my, in my chair. You know what I mean? I just, it, it would have been weird, you know, and I, I kind of get that now what some of these younger younger kids, you know, walk, will walk up to me and want an autograph. And it's just, it's, it's really strange and surreal for me because that's who I was, you know, and they see me on Instagram and, and, and stuff like that. And it's just really neat to them, but it's no different than me being who I was at the age I was and watching Les Johnson, you know, and 
and watch, you know, we watched TV back then. And if we got to watch an episode of Predator Quest, it was, it was pretty neat, you know, and <laughs> it's, it's no different, you know, it's, it's just cool that I was able to do something like that and pull something like that off. So, yeah. That's awesome, man. You know, I, huge congratulations to you on that. That's super impressive. I'm still, I'm yeah. still struggling. I have to... done it without the other guy that's not on the other line, though. You know, there's, <laughs> there's two of us that were in this thing, and and that partner of mine is that he's my partner for a reason. So, yeah, man, that it takes two, and it, uh, yeah, for sure, it's a it's a it's a cool thing. No, man, you know, it, and it's it's cool to think, you know, that you're inspiring a whole another group of people, you know, you're, you're sharing what you know. Um, and you know, who knows, you know, there, some kid that's listening to this or watching, you know, your, uh, the coyote snipers, YouTube channel or following you on Instagram, you know, they may be in, in a few years, they may be the next ones hoisting up that trophy, you know, throwing their name and being like, Oh man, you know, I got my name yeah, next to these hopefully guys. They give me a little recognition like I gave Les. <laughs> <laughs> give him a give him a little shout out. Yeah, All right, guys, if you're, for sure. If you're That's listening, funny. keep that in mind. Just remember, gotta yeah. give, gotta give. <laughs> I opened uh, my mouth for you guys. Yeah, yeah. I told you all my secrets. So give me a little, give me a little kickback. <laughs> Well, we I got I got more secrets to pry out of you. Um, <laughs> what uh, do you uh, do? You use decoys at all? I don't. No, I've tried it all. I've tried silhouette decoys of coyotes. I've tried. I don't think it can hurt. It's just a lot more than I think I need to do. If I can't, if I can't complete the task, what I'm trying to do without the gimmicks and certain things like that i i don't know it's just not even on my electronic call it it rotates it can do whatever you want it to do it can have a decoy on top it doesn't get any of those features ever used when i do it i just throw it in the brush all i'm there for is the speaker i don't need it to turn i don't need it to do anything fancy i just you know in and out type stuff i i do like decoy dogs um I really got into that last few years and that's a a really cool method to be able to kill a lot of the smart coyotes that we can't kill. I mean they 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 become very vulnerable that certain you know 6 months out of the year it might even be less than that but I mean they become so territorial and so crazy that you can capitalize on those type of coyotes that time of year so as far as decoy goes that way that is by far my favorite calling style because I love dogs. I'm a huge dog freak. Like my dogs are my babies and, and, uh, they don't ever go in kennels and they go everywhere with me. And now I'm trying to, you know, develop a decoy dog and, and train and, and do stuff like that so that I can have a constant hunting partner. So now what, uh, I've seen a couple of videos here and there, but for those who aren't uh, f- super familiar with it, what exactly does a decoy dog do it, when it comes to the coyote hunt? So there's there's different styles. There really is. There's a lot of different styles of decoy hunting. You know, there's the guys that'll keep them near them and use vocalizations and, 
and then send their dog out and then the coyotes see the dog and then it becomes the same reaction of the other type of decoy my other friend has a dog that if you can keep a coyote howling out there she will go all the way to them and get in their living room basically and then she brings them back but they're both similar they're really similar but what it is is typically den sites um in the spring what you're doing is just putting your dog in their territory and all they're doing is really just taking care of their young i mean they're just there to protect and that's what coyotes are really good at they're not you know they're survivalists so of course they're not going to get in an all-out brawl typically because they're out there to survive and they know if they get in a fight with a coyote or another dog they might have the chance of get, either getting hurt or dying and coyotes aren't like that so when you decoy dog they you know, they bite and they nip and they do things like that. But if there is a pack, I mean, they will grab a hold of a dog and stretch it out. I mean, sometimes it gets really, really rank. But in all honesty, it's just a cat and mouse game. Like, hey, get out of my ground. Your dog goes back. And then they follow it back. And it's just a, it, it turns into a cat and mouse game where you can just sit back and enjoy the show. And it, it's, it's really cool. So a lot of the idea is, uh, you know, obviously, like you said, there's different techniques, but a lot of the idea is kind of is just stringing those coyotes along and, and pulling them in on a yep. uh, kind of like a kite almost. Um, exactly. Just kiting them along and getting yep. them into range. Yep. And your your dog, you know, we have a couple really good um, videos on Coyote Sniper on our YouTube channel that are super good, you know, uh, kind of show that where the dog your dog just understands what you're asking of them usually you know if you've got a good dog a good working dog they they usually know what their job is and and that's my favorite part of the whole thing is is not killing the coyote yeah that's that's second is killing that smart coyote that you haven't been able to kill in that area not saying it's the same coyote that you missed four times you know but it's in the same area and you're you're capitalizing on that kill. Yeah, that's second. But to watch your dog do what they're bred and designed and what you've trained them and done with them and put the time and effort into them, that's that's the fun part. It's no it's no different than the houndsman going out with his, you know, his dogs and running a lion up a tree. He's not there to kill that lion. It's usually the client. But they were there for, you know, their dogs, watching their dogs. And that's where they get their gratification you know what i mean absolutely and you know it's it's a taking pride in you know your animal and and what you've worked and trained them to do and seeing uh seeing them be successful is just as rewarding as you being successful yourself in in that hunt yep yep it's no different than a bird dog you know any any type of hunting that you're into if you really love your dog and and respect them and I, I feel like that's just the ultimate. I really do. And I, I'm honestly new to that game, the whole decoy. I knew it was there. I followed Tony Tebby and, and, and watched him do that whole thing, you know, but that was never an option for me. I was a lab guy and I never thought I could ever teach my lab how to do that. And they're a bigger breed. Typically you're using a smaller breed to do this, you know, not necessarily small, but 
smaller in statue and uh just so that it doesn't intimidate the dog the coyotes as bad some guys might think that that's horseshit you can take a great dane out there and do the same thing which probably you maybe could but in my in my mind in my experience i feel like the more sized up the dog the the better it, it can be for you the more successful you'll be but I don't know. These are all just my opinions. I, I kind of hate doing these things, but just because <laughs> people think you, you end up being a know-it-all, you know, and you start telling your opinion, but that's all it is. It's just my opinion. Nobody has to take it for, you know, a hundred percent. It's just, it's just the way that I live and the way I feel and stuff like that. So I just hope it helps out the certain people that want to soak it up. Oh yeah. You know, everyone's, everyone's got opinions and, but, uh, you know, I'll take the, uh, when it comes to coyote uh, hunting, I'll take the opinion of a national champion over, uh, <laughs> <laughs> over a lot of people. I gotta say there's, there's, some, right. there's something behind that experience. Um, <laughs> so one thing you've mentioned a, a few times as we were talking was the importance of location, uh, whether that, I guess, you know, finding where the coyotes are first and foremost, and then figuring out, uh, where you're going to set up. What, uh, when somebody, you know, someone like myself, I'm like, you know, I, I've, I've heard coyotes around or I, I'm had a buddy take me out and now I want to start doing this on my own. How do you even go about finding a location? Um, man, I don't know. Just, uh, go out and locate with howls and things like that. And if you're getting a response back, they're, they're in the area, you know, they're, they're typically around the, the cows and the livestock, the antelope, the deer, the, the food sources have to be there. The water has to be there. Um, coyotes live anywhere, but if so, those, what's so that? I mean, it's, it's almost like locating any sort of animal you're hunting. You've got to find, find a place with a food source, you know, whatever they're hunting and you got to find a place with water. Um, when, when you say, you know, call, is there, um, are you, are you just kind of letting off, uh, a howl? Is there any, anything like that? Is there a specific time of day that it might be better to try and locate them? No, I like nighttime just cause they're not apt to, you know, see you. But, uh, I mean, a, a siren, something as simple as a siren or just get, get some noise going and, and sit there and listen for them. So say you've been kind of consistently hearing howls from this, from this location. What do you then look for when you're trying to set up uh, and start really calling them in? Well, just some places I can see them coming. You know, if I'm new to the sport, this is something I can, you know, maybe sit back and be able to see them coming from a little way so I can get myself ready. Um, Man, I don't know. I just uh I just look for some good cover and you know, depending on the day if where they're going to be, you know, cuz typically they go to different places during different times of the day and I don't know. <laughs> it's hard. I mean, I get this asked a lot. It's always different. It's never the same. It's always different. It's not go sit down, do this this time of day. It's not any of those type of things. It's uh, it's different. Every, every single stand, every, you know, guys think I'm full of shit, but every time I sit down, it's different. It really is. I mean, I don't sit down and do one thing. I just try them all. 
that's probably what I would tell everybody. Just get out there and, and do it. That's the, that's the key right there. Nobody can really teach you. We can all set you in the right direction and give you some, some pointers, you know, and, and, and set you in the right direction. But until you just get out there and sit in the brush and fail, that's, that's the best way to learn is sit there and fail. Just until you figure it out. Once you figure it out, it's pretty simple. So, so you would say though, a key, one of the keys is just making sure you've got good line of sight, see whatever's coming. Um, as far as I think, I think you may have mentioned earlier, uh, trying to find shadows as much as possible. Yeah. I like to get in the shadows. I like to get in the shade, you know, if the br- the sun, the shadows are on the one side of the brush, I sit in that side, you know, but you got to be able to make sure you can see, you know, the coyotes when you're new to it. I you know, you don't want those surprise coyotes. Mm-hmm. And then you also mentioned making sure, of course, you're uh, downwind of your call. About how far do you usually set up from your call? And that's never a set thing either. You know, sometimes I hold it. Sometimes it's 20 yards. Sometimes it's 75 yards. But I would say a good average is 20, 25 yards, 30 yards. Okay. Uh, and... Do you tend to favor one thing, you know, I've, I've kind of, since I started doing this, I've just been doing research on, on calling sequences and, Oh, you know, you got guys that are saying, Oh, this is my go-to calling sequence. It's, it's bulletproof, never fail. And I, you know, anytime somebody says that about anything to do with hunting, I just laugh. But, um, do you, I, one thing I noticed is some guys tend to prefer calling solely with, uh, with coyote calls whether they're you know howls and yips or you know female calls or pup distress calls and then there's a whole other group of guys that call solely with prey calls you know distress calls and i don't the one thing i just haven't seen a lot of crossover i haven't seen a lot of guys that say well either i mix them up or i depends on the situation do you have a preference uh, between the two no but um you know what you're going to have the most success with is definitely going to be your prey distress sound. That'll, that'll be what gets you the biggest, best, you know, the biggest numbers and the best reactions for sure. Do you think there's, do you think time of year affects that at all? As far as like what, uh, what the coyotes are doing, their mindset? It wouldn't, if they weren't pressured, if it was a, if it was a spot where they've never been pressured, it wouldn't. I mean, prey distress sound would work in february where around here it doesn't just because it's been played to them so many different times so if they're virgin eared coyotes it's not going to matter if you go out there and play rabbit distress in february that they've got to eat they're going to come to that it doesn't matter a coyote is always looking for the opportunity that's what they are they're opportunists so if there's food available they're going to come whether it's january february march april may it doesn't matter like coyotes are coming to the call they're coming to the call because they've not been called you know the the place where people get into issues around here is the pressure they're just pressured what do i do they hung up blah 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 well they've been called they've heard it all they know it all they they're not stupid yeah they'll come over the ridge a thousand yards or 500 yards and look at you and 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 kind of be curious but there's not a lot you can do to kill that coyote until come spring you know and then you can kill that coyote 
Gotcha. Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, we talked about earlier just what you were saying about a coyote's natural curiosity. Um, you know, if it if it hasn't been super educated, I'm sure you could probably play a, a lot of sounds, just anything, and uh, and it would at least come check it out. It may not, it may be a little more cautious than, than necessary if you're using a prey sound. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't matter if you're playing fawn distress or you're playing rabbit or you're playing bird. A distressed sound to me is a distressed animal. It doesn't matter. A coyote cannot distinguish between a lot of those. I don't feel like that's, once again, my opinion. If it's distressed sound and they're not a call shy coyote, it doesn't matter. (laughs) Okay, some guys are going to get all hung up on, oh, we've got a lot of, uh, you know, snowshoe hair around this area (laughs) that just it just cracks me up because i mean it doesn't matter if it's a desert cottontail or if it's a snowshoe hair it's a distressed rabbit in my opinion so it really doesn't matter what sound you're using as far as that goes but um as far as the vocalizations and things like that go it's just uh that takes it to a whole new level if you're gonna if you're gonna try to just call coyote with those I've, I've definitely noticed, uh, I, I, like, it's one of those things to where, yeah, I spent a lot of time on the, on the call website and I downloaded a bunch of different ones and I, I was mostly just having fun listening to different stuff. And I mean, I think to some extent, you know, if you got coyotes that are hunting a bunch of chickens or, or whatever it is, and that's what you notice they're going after, you know, they're raiding the chicken house. Right. Yeah. Maybe it's good to throw in a bird distress or chicken distress in there versus, versus a rabbit, but yeah. Well, that's true. And that's, that's something I learned with my coyote pups is because, you know, they did get into the chickens around the house. And if the chickens became distressed by one coyote being there while the, the girl, while the female was off in the brush, and she heard the male get into the chickens, she would run like crazy as fast as she could out of the sagebrush from my house as fast as she could to get to the chicken coop because she knew there was a chicken on the ground. And I got to watch that. And so there is a little bit to that, I guess, because I would sit there and blow the hand call on the back porch and neither one of them would show up with just the rabbit stress. So uh, I guess there could be a lot more to it than what I give credit. But then, I mean, like you were saying, though, I also don't think, you know, you're going to get much more of a reaction if, you know, yeah, like you said, you got a bunch of snowshoe hairs in the area and you start using a a cottontail distress. I mean, I I think at to that point, you're just kind of getting ridiculous or you might have a preference, whatever it is. Right. That's what it boils down to is your preference. And the you know, the last few stands that you've had success, of course, you're going to go back to that one that works. Why not? And the other thing I've noticed as I've kind of been researching is I've got some people that are like, okay, you know, you've got to call for, you know, two a minute or two minutes, and then you got to sit and wait and, and, you know, turn off your call, keep it silent, wait for him to come in and then turn on the call again. Other people are just like, ah, no, man, I just, I just throw on my raspy red bird and, and sit back and wait for something to come in. If I, I, nothing comes in after the 20 minutes of it squawking the whole time, I'd go to my next place. Um, <laughs> what are your thoughts as far as like, you know, uh, 
silent, adding some silence in there, swapping calls during a during a stand. It just depends. I don't think messing around with, you know, if one's not working, go to the next. You know, I'm not. I'm. I, I do that. Even me. So, um, I can't say don't do that. But there's times where we just run the call com- continuously. You know, and then there's times where we don't. It's just. I don't know, filling it out the way you feel, really. It all boils down to the way you feel about it. I don't think there's a right or a wrong way. It feels like a lot of this is pretty much just because the coyotes are so, each and every one, and situation is so different, it kind of feels like just, yeah, just keep trying stuff. If something's not working, uh, obviously stop doing it and, <laughs> and, and vary it up. Right. No doubt. So, you kind of mentioned when we were talking about the tournaments that uh, you made a you had made a couple uh, in the one tournament you had made a couple of of rookie mistakes. Um, I'm always uh, always a big fan of learning from our mistakes. What what were those mistakes you mentioned? If you don't mind sharing those, um, having coyotes come on my downwind, just basically t- less than ten feet out of my scent cone. Um, knowing I was going to have to make a move and in a super windy condition, typically you can get away with a little bit more movement. And I just tried to get away with more movement than what I should have without a shotgun really close by. And, you know, just basically had a stare off with a coyote at 10 feet for as long as I possibly could, you know, going on three minute long stare down between the brush, him and I, and thinking I could make a move on the coyote when I should have just, you know, waited until he went out in front of me and shot him out in front of me. I made tried to make a move and he busted me and we sat there and had a stare off competition and he ended up winning the, the run back into the brush, you know? And then another rookie mistake is I shot two shots at him as he was running back into the brush and, sat my butt back down and got back to calling because that's just what you do and sat back down and started calling and another coyote out of the exact same area. And I, you know, was already pretty shaken by what had just happened and wasn't even expecting a second coyote out of the same, same spot and went to go move on that coyote and moved on that coyote and, and quick, I didn't put another round in my pole and in my chamber. And it's just, just stuff like that, you know, just makes you really think like, you know, maybe not that good. (laughs) (laughs) Are there any other, Uh, are there any other, uh, mistakes you tend to, to see a lot of new coyote hunters or or rookies making or, uh, or even as in the tournaments that, that you hear other people talking, man, just not getting moved at the right time. You got to wait till they drop in a wash or getting some thick brush. You got to make your move to get yourself situated where you think they're going to come out at the right time. You can't be moving and doing your thing while they're coming to the call. That's probably one of the biggest mistakes a lot of guys make. You know, they don't, they don't know when to make those moves and you got to make them fast. A lot of times, sometimes you make them slow. Sometimes you have to make them slow. It just depends on the coyote and his body language and the way he's coming in, you know, you want to move faster when it's a faster moving coyote and you only have a little while to get ready. But if it's a janky little sucker that is 
eyeballing you down and bouncing his head all around you're only going to get one chance and you got to just slowly creep your gun around to get your shot on him you know there's there's different ways you got to move and different times you got to move and just watching watching and learning basically just learning from failure you know <laughs> that's how you that that's how you learn oh, definitely well i can't do I, I can't do that again i guess won't do won't try that again you know what i mean but you will you'll you'll make another mistake you'll make the same mistake again yeah we're all human we're all gonna make a mistake so speaking just kind of winding down and talking about learning from mistakes you know i've been uh calling out my mistakes here uh i've been uh out on a few stands i um called in you know my first first stand called in two coyotes one one came running in uh uh we were at the bottom of a little ledge and one came running in and sat about uh, three feet above our heads and neither of us could manage to get swung around in time to, to plug it. Uh, and we had another one that hung up um, probably about, a, I'd say, you know, 75 yards out. And uh, my nephew took a shot, unfortunately, wasn't able to connect on it. And then I connected on one about 30 yards out and wasn't able to find it. And But you know, so I've had some successes and I've tried replicating that, but then lately, you know, I've been varying up my spots and locations, you know, places I've heard coyotes. I'm just not getting any response. What would you say to, uh, like, I mean, five or six stands, just absolute, uh, or, or multiple stands, five or six nights out. What would you say to someone kind of in my situation where it's like, yeah, I had some success up front. You know, I've I've tried replicating that, and I've tried since varying it up. Um, I'm just not not really getting any success, any response. I can hear the coyotes all night, all night howling. But uh, like, what uh, what advice would you give someone that came up to you and was just kind of discouraged about that? <laughs> I don't know, man. I uh, I get put in this situation all the time. <laughs> I really don't know. I mean. Just you just gotta keep going. You just gotta keep doing it. Keep trying different things. Really, don't don't give up. If you really love it and you got a passion for it, you you'll figure it out. There you if go. You really really want to do it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Got to be something you really want to do, and that's why I tell a lot of these new up and coming little kids. You know, it's like don't go spending four hundred bucks on an electronic call. Go get you a hand call. Get out there in the brush. Make sure you like it first. Make sure you want to invest the time to learn this sport that's super, super popular and 10 times harder now than it ever has been. <laughs> so Definitely. It's 10 times harder to call coyotes nowadays, but it's 10 times easier to find out some information on how to do it. So Hopefully I that mean, balances it out a little bit. Yeah, it's catch-22, really. <laughs> Random... Another just random question. What's uh what have been your experiences with calling coyotes and weather, whether it's rain or snow or how do have you noticed uh, they react in in inclement weather? I'm not a big um I like right before a storm if it's calm and I like right after a storm. That's every coyote hunter's dream, you know. Going out after a fresh snow, they're going to be hungry. It's just playing scenarios out in your head they've sat up underneath the brush and waited out the storm just like every other rabbit and so they're hungry and they're going to want to come out and play and it's just playing those those type things in your head you know making it 
making it sound good to yourself in your head. I don't know if they're really true, but uh, I, I feel like wind shuts coyotes down just because they can't hear, you know, mm-hmm. they can't hear and they can't smell as well. But as far as like moon phases and, and uh, certain barometric pressures and things like that, I don't, I don't play much into that. And I used to, when I was, you know, trying to make any excuse I could for the unsuccess, I, you know, for the, you know, <laughs> for not having the success. I was just basically making excuses to myself, but that's just what I felt. I'm going to start using that all the time now though, man. Oh man, it was a crappy hunt, but you know, the barometric pressure was off. So it's really what it was. You had to, yeah, you have to do something to make yourself feel halfway decent (laughs) about coming home skunks. You know what I mean? You're just like, Oh yeah. You go home and you tell your wife, she's like, how can we always come home empty handed? Oh, babe, man, it had to been the barometric pressure. That's just where you go. They don't even know what barometric pressure is, but they have to believe you. <laughs> She's looking at me rolling her eyes right now. <laughs> oh, until you, until no. you uh, come home one day, she's got a barometer and a Wikipedia page open, then you know you're in trouble. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> but, all right, man, as we're, as we're finishing this up, uh, I always like to end it just with, you know, I, I target this podcast, I kind of mentioned before, at, at just folks that, that may not think they have the resources or the background uh, to get into hunting, whether, you know, they're from the city or they weren't raised in it, um, just hunting in general in the outdoors. Somebody came up to you and said, man, you know, I've seen what you do. I've seen what all these guys do. It looks exciting. I'm really interested in it, but I just, you know, I'm a little intimidated by all this. What would you, what would you tell that person? Man, if you like, I said, if you really, really want to learn it, you'll, you'll just do what you got to do to learn it, and uh, don't be afraid to ask questions. You know the resources are there. I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty easy to deal with on Instagram. Sometimes people think I'm being short with them or whatnot, but it's not. It's just because I really don't like the text message. But I'll, I'll send you, a, you know. A, a video message if I can and get back with you and, and try to help you any way I can, but don't be afraid to ask questions and definitely don't be afraid to fail because you're going to, you're going to fail. You're going to be, you know, you're going to beat yourself up a lot, a lot more than you're going to be successful. That's for sure. Definitely noticed that. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, much appreciated, man. I, uh, thank you so much for hopping on. If people wanted to, uh, wanted to find you on the interwebs where are they looking uh man i you could uh you go to the brush wolf hunter page and and that's just my personal page i just kind of use it as my hunting journal and it's fun to be able to reflect back on the times that i've had and that's that's how i use my instagram and that's that's where i'm at so i guess you can look up the brush wolf hunter Awesome. Well, I'll link to link to your page on Instagram. I'll I'll grab that old uh, Coyote Sniper YouTube channel. Did you say you also uh, have the uh, the Mule Deer Insurance? Uh, yeah. Where can where can people check that out? It's a uh, it's a share page. I use that, you know, because I I have a pretty good following on Instagram. I don't really know how I got it, but <laughs> I did, and. Uh, uh, it's I the hair man. It's it's the as, glorious mane. That's why that's why people follow. <laughs> but I just built the the brand, you know, and I figured I better have a page for my brand and I use it as a as a share page to to put people on and and, and show their success and using the hashtag mule deer insurance or 
coyote sniper or whatever. I'll find some cool pictures and I'll get them thrown up, you know? Awesome. Well, I will link to all those on the show notes page. Just want to say thank you again so much for hopping on. I know we, uh, we've had some technical difficulties uh, a couple of times trying to get this, uh, get this going, but uh, I appreciate you sticking through it with me. You bet, man. I appreciate the phone call. All right, y'all, that'll do it for episode 86 of Living Country in the City. Big thank you to Garrett for taking the time out of his day to hop on and chat with me. Make sure y'all head on over to the show notes page at livingcountryinthecity.com slash 86. Check out links to everything we talked about in today's episode. Also, make sure y'all head on over to the support page at livingcountryinthecity.com slash support. Figure out how you can join the Living Country in the City team. But in the meantime, keep it country, y'all. Thank y'all for listening to Living Country in the City. Get show notes and check out the blog, product reviews, events, and more at livingcountryinthecity.com. 